Well, good evening everyone and welcome to our Wednesday night streaming service from, I almost said Rochester, but um, from Mississauga. Uh, to those of you that are in church here tonight, glad to see you out. And uh, those that are following us online, I pray that God will give you a good night tonight. As you might have discovered, my voice is a little raspy, and this happens every year at this time of the year. Um, maybe it's from preaching too much. Now it's just allergy time, and one of these things happen almost every year. But we're glad to be in church tonight, and we want to start with a word of prayer and then get into the worship, and I pray that God will bless your heart tonight. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks once again for the privilege you've given to us that we can be in your house. Lord, tonight we commit this service into your hands. And I pray, Lord, that everyone present in this sanctuary tonight, as well as those following us online, that you will minister strength and encouragement to their hearts, Father. Bless this service tonight. Be with us. Inspire my mind that I might present your word that is appropriate for your children tonight, Father. I ask these mercies in Jesus' name. And I also pray, Lord, that those that are not well in their bodies, that you might um, work a miracle and a healing, O oh, Lord, mentally, spiritually, and physically, Father. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. <clears throat> Sometimes tongue pads I knew not know. Sometimes he leads me through the valley, and where he leads, there his grace that flows. He leads me by still waters <clears throat> And sometimes down paths I do not know Yes, Lord He leads me through the valley but where he leads, there his grace that flows. Sometimes he leads me by still waters, and sometimes down paths I do. He leads me through the valley But where he leads <clears throat> Grace 
had flown <clears throat> Oh yes, Father of those nights where I hope my voice... Raven, you want to preach? <laughs> it's one of those nights when my voice, I'm hoping it can hold out right down to the end. But I've done this for 50-something years. And I remember when I came back from Haiti in the year in March, late February, March 2020, just prior to them closing off the airports. I was glad I got back in Canada, but I came with a voice just like this because I was preaching in Haiti. <clears throat> I am not really a strong preacher in the sense that I make a lot of noise, but every time this time of the year, I 
normally I'm allergic to dust in the house and so it stirs up a little allergy. Tonight I'm glad that we're here and we had a great, I thought we had a great weekend. We talked about things that are pertaining to the kingdom of God. Uh, one day Jesus asked, asked that the disciples asked Jesus, and I think that was in Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, Luke, the 11th chapter, and verse 1 says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And Jesus, he did not give us a pattern prayer that we should recite. He gave us a prayer that would be a pattern prayer for us to draw from and formulate our own prayers. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And then he went on to say, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those that are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. And that's where Luke ends this prayer. Tonight, I would like to take a section of this prayer out and talk to you about it for a moment. And that is the part that he says, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. And it is one of the hope that we, one of the things we cherish and we hope for. Today, I was in the store and I was speaking to a lady and I thought she was from Palestine. So I looked at her and it says, her name is Kifa. So I said, Kifa, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Palestine. I said, well, I am so sorry for what's going on in that country. I said, you might look at me and you might think I'm pro-Israel. I'm not pro-Israel. I say, you might look at me and wonder if I'm pro-Palestine. I said, no, I'm not pro-Palestine. I'm pro-humanity. Anybody in this world, anyone I encounter on a daily basis that has a need, I would like to be there for you. Whether you're rich or you're poor, whether you're arrogant or you're a simple individual, my job is to be there for you. And we talked about the world that we're living in, and it's such an evil place that we're living in. I um, was pleased to have a, have a little chat with Brother Joe earlier this evening. And we were talking about how the world has changed over the years. When God created the heavens and the earth, and um, I think Brother Sam touched a little bit on that on the weekend. I believe that this earth is in existence for many, many, many years. As a matter of fact, there are rocks that are millions and billions of years old. 
But when God created, recreated, or redesigned the earth in Genesis, the first chapter, he created man and he placed man in the garden and he says, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, that is to fill it back against what it once was. And man was to have dominion over the works of his hand. Man was to have control over the Garden of Eden. But you and I know how everything seemed to have dwindled down and collapsed. And sin came on into the world. And when sin came, death came. And by the time we start in Genesis and we come to the sixth chapter of Genesis... We're looking at a different situation altogether where man becomes so evil that the Lord looks on the earth and he said, I've seen man to be evil. And he said, I must, he spoke to Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and he says, I must destroy the earth. And we all know the story of Noah, how a flood came and destroyed the world. And so Brother Joe and I were talking and I was telling him, that God is not a sadist. He's not just someone that likes to destroy people. His purpose is to save mankind. And the scripture says God wishes above all things that we should be saved. But man in his depraved and fallen nature, when Adam sinned, he became depraved. He became fallen. That image, that godliness that God created him with, was lost. And so sin entered into the world and the wages of sin is death. And death has passed upon all mankind. And that is what we were talking about. We were talking about the day. The fact is that you and I, and you know, while as I'm talking to you tonight, you sitting in the congregation, I want you to bear some things in mind. One, you sitting in the congregation, remember, I'm not only preaching to you, I'm preaching to people overseas, right? Tonight, this message is going overseas. And for those of you listening to me from overseas, remember, I'm not preaching to one individual. I'm preaching to a variety of individuals with a variety of needs. I'm not preaching to one single individual. And you might say, well... I don't know what, what he's talking about every time. Like on the weekend, they talk about death and all of this. Well, because we have young minds, we have a variety of minds. We have people that are getting blessed at some of the messages that might bother you. And so it's not easy to put a lesson in that caters for everybody. But you know, that's what the early church did. When Paul wrote a letter... There was never <clears throat> one time that Paul addressed a letter with a subject. Well, today I will talk about the Godhead. There were chapters that he covered situations in, but sometimes it is necessary for us to be general in our messages, and we've got to preach what the Lord places in our hearts to preach. And so when we think about Jesus making this statement, he says, your desire is to pray that God's kingdom come and that God's will be done on earth as God's will is done in heaven. 
But you and I, when we look at Genesis, the sixth chapter, God had to destroy mankind because the very thoughts of man's heart was evil continuously. And when we, as we move further on, by the time we come to the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, mankind had already become perverted. They were offering the lame and the, and the blind as sacrifices to God. And God had to stop prophets coming for about four to 500 years. And then we come to Matthew, where Jesus comes on the scene, John the Baptist comes on the scene, and we see the church started on the day of Pentecost. But we're looking at over a history of over 2,000 years coming down all this way. Today, the world we're living in is getting more corrupt on a daily basis. It's becoming evil on a daily basis. And when I spoke to that lady today, I said, you know, I don't have the solution for the world. I'm sure there is a solution, but it must be in God's hand. You and I cannot solve the problem. And politicians cannot solve the problem. One of the worst jobs to ever choose, if you have to choose a job, is to become a politician or a preacher. You'd have to lie, make up stories to have the people vote for you. And when they vote for you, you can dance to their music because you'd have to run a government. You have to run the country and then they want to vote you out. Well, the same thing goes for a preacher. When I, I'm here preaching the word of God, I'm preaching to save our souls. My soul as well as your soul. And there's so much today that's against us preaching the gospel than it was 2,000 years ago. When the early church started 2,000 years ago, there was no internet. When the early church started 2,000 years ago, there was no uh, television, there was no pornography. Um, if you had an idol, you had to bring it literally from the outside into your house. Times have changed. Today, Idolatry has changed. Uh, you don't have to leave your home to, to, to have your mind captured by evil. All you do is turn your radio on or you turn your television on and evil comes into your living room. It is not an easy thing to serve God today. And in order for us to serve God today, we need God to help us. And for us to have any sort of goal in our minds, we are to look forward to the kingdom of God being established on this earth. And that is what Jesus said. He says, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As we look at the birth of the early church, and this is in Acts, the second chapter, when the early church got started in the second chapter of the Acts of the Apostles and the day of Pentecost was come, Jesus was gone. Jesus was, he ascended back into heaven uh, in Acts, the first chapter. And he told his disciples, uh, he said, uh, they came to him in Acts chapter one and verse six. And the disciples, when they therefore was come together, they asked Jesus saying, 
Will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They said, we're looking forward. You see, that was the hope of every one of God's children. The establishment of God's kingdom where God takes control of this earth and man's government ceases and God's government takes over. We normally sing a song Christmas time and you know, it's um, joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. You know, that is not a Christmas carol. That carol has nothing to do with Christmas. That carol is a kingdom carol where uh, Watts, the author of that song, was writing about the kingdom of God being established on this earth. And when that happens, he says, joy to the world, joy to the earth, the Lord is come. Let earth receive not a savior anymore, not a baby in a manger, but let earth receive her king. And let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Uh, it means that there is coming a time when the earth will be free from the bondage of corruption. Here in Acts, the, sec the first chapter, the Lord, the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him this question. They said, Lord, will you restore at this time the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, he said, It is not for you to know the times nor the seasons, which the Father has placed in his own power. Verse 8, But you shall receive power, that is authority, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the utmost part of the earth. And so the disciples, what they did, they went back into Jerusalem, and they started to wait for the promise of God called the Holy Ghost. And so they prayed one day, and two days, and three days, until ten days were up. And the scripture says in chapter 2 of the Acts of the Apostles, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, verse 1, they were all, about approximately 120, were in a room called the upper room. And they were all gathered together and suddenly the presence of God came down in that room. And it says in, Acts, uh, in Luke's writing here in Acts, he says, And suddenly there came a song from heaven as of the rushing, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I want you to pause with me for a moment here, because this experience that they had on the day of Pentecost is what... Pentecostals today, brother saying, are you Pentecostal? Yes, I am, but not the wild kind. Uh, Pentecostals today call themselves Pentecostals simply because of the baptism of the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost. Now, what happened on the day of Pentecost, we need to pray that that can happen again today. 
But because that has not happened for hundreds of years, individuals has fabricated something that sounds like it. And if it's not real, it's a fake. And so we need to pray that God would give us an outpouring of God in the church, that the very power of God might be unleashed. Now here is what happened. When they start, when they got the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, they started to speak in various languages. And Luke records it like this. He says, verse 7, verse 6, And when it was noised abroad, the multitude, people on the outside, came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. Now, this was phenomenal. This was not a make-believe. This was not like the Pentecostal movement today is making it happen. This was phenomenal. If you were, if Brother, Brother, Brother Gregory is sitting there, he's Russian. If he was sitting there in the day of Pentecost and one, someone starts to speak in Russian, wouldn't that be amazing? That you're not hearing someone just uttering gibberish, but someone is speaking the language and speaking about the good things of God. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. A supernatural experience transpired on the day of Pentecost. And it says, and when the, the, the multitude came together and it says they were all amazed, verse 7, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Well, how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt and in parts of Libya and Cyrene, strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians. Now, here was 120 people in a room and they were all speaking in various languages. People on the outside came on in and it was noised abroad because it was a lot of noise they were making when they got filled. And individual says, what's going on here? How come these Galileans are speaking our languages? And this was important because this is what, this is how the early church was started. This is how the birth of the early church was uh, trans uh, that transpired. Uh, it was a supernatural experience. And so when all of this happened, Peter got up. He was the spokesman. And he made a statement like this. And he's standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. And he said, you men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken to my voice. For these men are not drunken. Seems like they were drunken. He said, these are not drunken. As you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Verse 16, he says, but this is, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. When he said, it shall come to pass in the last days. And when Joel prophesied this, he's talking about our days. 
A day with God is like a thousand years. And in these last 2,000 years, when the church got started, on the day of Pentecost and starts to mushroom on, mushroom on out to our period of time, we can classify that as the last days. And Peter, thinking this was what it was, he got up and he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel when he says, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And then he went on to say, he says, And on my servants and my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. What Peter did not understand was that what happened on the day of Pentecost was to be extended to our period of time. And we are praying today that God would pour his spirit out just prior to the return of Jesus to this earth, that the church would be launched. Because that which started on the day of Pentecost fizzled out. When the church started on Pentecost, it looks like it was a big thing and it was a big blow up in the community. They spread the gospel. But as time rolled on and men were converted and the apostle Paul got saved and converted and he started to spread the gospel to the Gentiles, he went up and he started the churches of Galatia and he started the church at Corinth and he started the church at Thessalonica and as Paul started to plant these churches, you know, when you look at something in the early stages, like when I'm looking at this assembly, when we got started here, it was exciting. <clears throat> we started, I remember coming into Canada in January of 1980, and we were in College Street in Toronto. And then we moved to Dufferin Street in, in, um, uh, in a Presbyterian church. And then from there, we bought the Kenmu church, which is not far from here. And then we moved into this church. You know, in those days, people were zealous. We had church on a Sunday morning, a Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock. We had church Sunday night at 7.30. We had prayer meeting on Tuesday. We had church at Wednesday night at 7.30. We had prayer meeting on Thursday during the day. And then we come back on Saturday night for church. We had church almost every day. <clears throat> well, this is what happened when the early church got started. When they got started, they met almost every day for church. And as you go on into the book of Acts, Peter stood up there and preached. And he talked about the kingdom of God and he talked about the outpouring of God. And then it, it, as it came down to verse 41 in chapter 2, it says, And they that gladly received the word were baptized. And the same day there was added unto them about, about 3,000 souls. And they continued. Everyone read with me here. And they continued steadfastly they did not give up it's not like i'm coming to church 
uh, and jerks and spurts. When the early church started, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. I'm going to read that again. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And the fear of God came upon every soul. And what happened in the church? Because it was genuine, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Today what we have done, when we have the Spirit of God moving in the service and we think it is the Spirit of God, we have a line and you can come up for prayer. But you know, I'm going to be honest with you, we do not have the power of God like they had on the day of Pentecost. We do not have the power of God like they had in the early church. Occasionally, we will see a miracle. Occasionally, we'll see someone get delivered. Occasionally, we'll see someone uh, receive a touch from the Lord and get baptized with the Holy Ghost, which is very rare. If we want to be genuine, we'll have to wait and seek after God. For them to have the power of God, they continued steadfastly in the teachings of the apostles. Today, most of us continue steadfastly in the gospel of Google. Today, most of us continue steadfastly in that which is contrary to God. And, you know, this past week, I started to rewrite Psalms chapter 1. I started to rewrite Psalms chapter 1. And I think in about a week or so I'll get it done. Because of what I'm doing, I'm doing the opposite to Psalms chapter 1. Instead of saying, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I'm writing a psalm of my own that says, cursed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly, that standeth with sinners, and sitteth in the seat of the scornful. He will not be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters, but his leaf will wither, and whatsoever he puts his hand to will fail. I'm, I'm rewriting that with a different slant. I try every possible way to preach the gospel. Every morning I still get up and post things on the internet to, to leave enough in this world for individuals to read and be enlightened because we're living in a collapsing society. But when the early church got started and all of this happened, it changed the lives of the people. No one served God at their convenience. Today is a different age. When Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, he said to Peter, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter left all and followed Jesus. I can't say that to Brother Raleigh. Follow me. But you can follow me in the messages I preach. You can incorporate the messages in your life 
and God can give you direction. It is your responsibility to do that. And here, it goes on to say in chapter 2, verse 46 says, and they, let me back up a little. Before I go to 46, it says in verse 41, and they that gladly received the word of God were baptized. After Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, the people gathering there from outside the group, a lot of people, hundreds, as a matter of fact, thousands of people gathered because of this commotion that was going on. And it says, and they that gladly received the word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about, about 3,000 souls. Now, that's growth. I don't know what I'll do if one day we get up to preach and 500 people come on in. There is a danger in a large crowd coming on in because unless God takes individuals and call them and save them and bring them in, what's coming in can undermine what's inside and can change that which is already in the church to become like what's coming in. We have to come to the place of understanding that we need a foundation to stand on. We need the word of God planted in our lives. And I was telling Raven the other day, I said the best witness you can give to someone is a godly example. The best you can tell someone is not talking, is living. And someone can see your life and make changes in your life, in, in their lives also. I remember, and I'm a person full of little stories, I remember um, this girl on Hague uh, that was walk, riding her bicycle, and I can't remember her name right now, but um, uh, one day I was out in front of my yard and watering the flowers, and there was a bicycle that passed by and this girl stopped and she, she went down and turned back and came back to me and says, uh, can, I, um, can I speak to you for a little mister? And I said to her, I said, sure, you can speak to me. And she said, what I'm about to tell you, you would not, you might think I'm crazy. So I told her, I said, you know, um, every day I think I'm crazy. So there's nothing you can tell me that'll make me feel crazy. Are you crazy? She said, well, you know, in the year 2017, I had a traumatic experience in my life. And it followed with a continuous depression. And she said that it did not go away. I went to the doctors and they treated me with tranquilizers and my depression did not go away. And she said, one day, every day, I would go out for a ride and come back in. And one day, she said, in the year 2000, and I think about 2019, she was passing by and she said, you were out there with a hose watering the plants in the morning. And she said, you turned to me and you looked at me and you said, good morning. 
And when you said good morning, she said something happened to me right away. She says, I rode down, got home, and I told my dad. She said, Dad, I don't know if he's a Hindu or what he is, but there is a man by the side of the road. He said, good morning to me, and my depression is gone. And she said, I wanted to come and tell you, but I was afraid to come and tell you. And it was in the year, I think it was 2020, summer, that she came. And she said, I'm passing this morning and I'm seeing you there again with a hose. So I decided to come and tell you. She says, I just wanted you to know that depression that I had left. And, and it's not like I have the power of God. It's that a smile and a good morning and a right attitude can lift someone out of their depression. And I feel that's what we ought to have. We ought to have, as uh, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good work and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And this is so important that we do that. Well, the early church had this testimony and individuals uh, came and they said in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They did not meet each other only on a Sunday. They met in fellowship constantly. And breaking of bread in prayers, they met. And when two individuals met, they said a prayer before they left each other. They had meals together. And fear, the fear of God came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles because of the obedience of the people. We have seen God work in this little church many a times. Uh, the girl's name was Erica. Uh, we've seen God's, God work in this church so many times. But it comes down here in verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, they continuing daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they'd eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then the Lord added to the church such as should be saved. The, margins, the margin says daily those who were being saved. Now, this was a big movement. Just imagine in one day, 10 days of prayer, then one day the Spirit fell and approximately 3,000 people came, became a part of the church. Well, you would think this would move over and conquer the entire world. Well, it did for a while. But it fizzled out after a while. And when the apostles went out and started churches, I'm about to make a statement. Every church that God started, the devil successfully undermined and destroyed. The churches of Galatia, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, and Antioch all went under. The church at Corinth went under. The church of Thessalonica went under. The fabulous group that started the church at Rome 
went under and became the seat of the made the most uh, uh, the, the greatest apostasy of all time. And as we're looking back, if that church that started on the day of Pentecost fizzled out, how much more today we need God to help us to establish a church. But psychology cannot build a church. The musical instruments that we play on a Sunday, the band cannot build a church. Preaching alone cannot build a church. It takes the power of God and the genuine Holy Spirit to build a church. And as we look at the early church collapsing and almost going under, and then we look at the apostasy that's existing today, so many churches. But you know, on this weekend, this past weekend, I was telling you that it's not the masses. Over here in Matthew's Gospel, the seventh chapter, and we want to look at that. Time is running out on me already. <clears throat> and I'm so glad because of my voice. But in Matthew, the seventh chapter, Jesus made this statement. And I want us to understand this. Because this is important. He said in Matthew, the seventh chapter, and verse 13. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. Now, if you have your Bible, and you look at that spelling, it's spelled S-T-R-A-I-T. Not S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. Straight means like straight, like a straight jacket, like a confined gate. He says, enter you in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many, many there be which go in thereat. Now we're playing with two words. And the first one is many. We say, broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many people find that. We're talking about Christian religion here. He says, but straight, verse 14, is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. And then he goes on to say, many false prophets will come. We're, we're talking about 2,000 years of church history. We're talking about a time when the Bible never existed. We're talking about days when Matthew's gospel was not written. We're talking about that early period of time when Mark and John and Acts and, and Romans and none of the epistles were written. We're talking about a long Hall coming right down to our day. We're talking about every church that God started the devil undermined. And he did not just close the church. He undermined the function of the church. Because the church is supposed to produce overcomers. And overcomers will help the Lord Jesus when he comes back to establish the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that we talked about earlier cannot be established if the church fails. The purpose of the church is to produce individuals that are called overcomers that will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years during the millennium, during the millennial reign of Jesus when he comes back. Now, when Jesus was ascended, when he ascended on, 
on that day of his resurrection, the angels appeared to the disciples and told them to go and tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Ghost. That the same Jesus you see go away shall come in like manner as you see him go. There's so many scriptures in Zechariah that tells us that that day he is going to come and return to this earth and establish God's kingdom. We are hoping for that. We can believe in a fantasy or we can hope for the return of Christ. Jesus said, if I go away, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Over in the Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and this will be our last section of the Bible we'll look at tonight, in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and we touched a little bit about this <clears throat> on the weekend, uh, Paul is writing here and he says, verse 12, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of among you there is no resurrection of the dead? Now in that time when Jesus uh, existed, there were two major organizations, the Pharisee and the Sadducee. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Pharisees did. And Jesus, and Paul is writing here, he says, If there be no resurrection of the dead, verse 13, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. In other words, what I'm telling you tonight, we read the Bible and we believe that Jesus died and we believe on the third day he rose again from the dead and we believe that in him he is the resurrection and the life. And if we are dead in trespasses and sin and he touches our life, We'll receive a spiritual resurrection as well as a literal resurrection. But do we really believe that? The world today is overcrowded with false doctrines and misconceptions. Paul is writing to correct this problem here to a in a little way. He says, Yea, verse 15, If Christ did not rise, then we are found false witnesses of God. Did he raise, was Jesus raised from the dead? You see, this is a question. And I told Brother Joe, I said a lot of times uh, we can be very dogmatic. We can say, well, this is how it happened. You know, I, I was listening to the Bible today. Sister Chandri was not far from me. And I'm listening to uh, some scriptures that I'd like to touch. Maybe if God helps me on the weekend. Uh, while we are in this assembly, I touched uh, areas on the Ark of the Covenant. I have touched areas on the golden calves that were set up in Israel. I touched on air, uh, areas of um, uh, the brazen serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. Well, if the Lord helps me, I'd like to talk about strange fire. In this assembly, if the Lord helped me on this weekend, because we could be having church contrary to what God wants. If we sing and we worship contrary to what God wants, it's called strange fire. 
If we are believing in a fantasy, then our faith is in vain. If we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, and he did not raise from the dead, then our faith tonight, no point in having church. I believe he rose. Um, a songwriter writes like this. He says, I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living in spite of what men may say. Because I hear his... I, I, see, I hear his voice of mercy. And I... I see his hand of mercy and I hear his voice of cheer. And every time I need him, he's always there. He lives, he lives. And this morning, I was telling Chandri on my way, I had something to get done. And on my way, I'm talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, you know, I'm so disappointed with the world. I'm so disappointed with the people. I'm so disappointed with churches. I'm so disappointed with a lot of things. But Lord, I'm not disappointed in you. Because when I think that there's nothing else to pursue... You open my mind and you touch my mind with thoughts that I've never dreamt of. And that's where the strange fire came. While I'm driving this morning, uh, this concept came and it was so beautiful. I'm driving, not even reading <coughs> the Bible. And I'm having the goodness of God. So I believe Jesus rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, I can hope for the resurrection of the dead also. And quickly, as we move on here, I have five minutes to go. And Paul says in verse 16, and if the dead rise not, then Christ is not raised. If there's nothing called the resurrection of the dead, then Christ is still dead. But there is the resurrection of the dead, and I believe he's alive. It says, and if Christ be not raised... Your faith is in vain. You and I are wasting time. We might as well go to Tim Hortons and have donuts and coffee. But we're here tonight because we believe he rose from the dead. And he is alive in our lives and he's slowly changing us. And if Paul goes on here, he says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and you're yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perish. In other words, men of the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they're all dead and they're never coming up. But on the weekend we looked at a scripture that says, Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. The body of Christ would arise. The church would be risen. And Paul goes on here. He says. <clears throat> if in verse 19. If in this life only. We have hope. We are all men most miserable. But you see. I'm living here today. And I look to the right and I'm disappointed. I look to the left and I'm disappointed. I look to the politicians. I'm disappointed. I hear about wars. I'm disappointed. Every day somebody's getting stabbed in the city. It's disappointing. A kid goes to school and kills his fellow students and the teachers. People are being, are, are being you know, there was a time when Canada was not that bad. <clears throat> it's getting from bad to worse. 
hoodlums roam the street. And here we are today. The only hope we have is the return of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> if in this life only we have hope, we ought to be men most miserable. But my friends, we have hope beyond this life. I want you to read with me here as we look. I just want to grab another mint in my mouth. It says here in verse 20. Everyone read with me. <clears throat> Hold on a minute. But Paul says Christ is risen from the dead and he's the first. First fruit. In other words, other individuals who would be resurrected from the dead when? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Man, Adam, death came. By man, Christ, life, resurrection comes. For as in Adam <clears throat> we all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. How will it happen? Every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits. When will the rest be resurrected? Afterwards. Everybody say afterwards. They that are Christ, when he returns to establish the kingdom of God on this earth. I believe, and we need to pray, Lord, thy kingdom come, and may thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May God help us. <clears throat> may God, we don't have time tonight to get into all of this, but may God help us to see that the only hope this world has is the return of the Lord Jesus. And even so, we pray, O Lord Jesus, come quickly. The world is corrupt. The church is corrupt. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and few find it. May God help us that we will be included in that few. Don't be so self-righteous that you feel you are. Pray that God help us to be included. And as we look at individuals around us, pray. For your community, pray for the world, pray for your country, pray for the leaders, pray for the church. May God grant it to us. Join me in prayer, please. <clears throat> Father, we thank you tonight for this simple yet straightforward message, Father. Lord, it is such a miserable world to live in. And if in this world only we have hope, we are indeed most miserable. But Father, we thank you for the hope that you have planted in our hearts. For the establishment of your kingdom. For that day when Jesus will come and the curse would be lifted from off this world. And there will be no more sin. No more death. No more sorrow. Let that hope reside in our hearts, Father. Help us to become faithful. That we might offer to the Lord Jesus that staff he needs. To establish the coming kingdom. In his wonderful name I pray, and for his glory. Amen and amen.